Our text for today is um, John 2, beginning at verse 12 and going through to verse 22. John 2, and I'll begin at verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, And they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables and he said to those who sold doves take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise then his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house has eaten me up so the Jews answered and said to him What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Now, this will be our text for the message. Now, here in this text, we see Jesus, the great prophet, high priest, and king, coming to God's temple in Jerusalem, and we see he is not pleased with what he finds. Verse 14 tells us he finds people in the temple selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and also the money changers. Now we must realize there is nothing wrong with selling these animals. God had commanded sacrifices be given for sin. And many of the Jewish pilgrims who had come from a long distance would need to buy them. They would also need to convert heathen money to money that could be used in the temple. The Roman standard coin had heathen signs and embellishments on them. The heathen coins had to be changed into the Tyrian standard coins which were free from such idolatrous defilement. Of course, a charge was made for this needed change of money. Yes, all of these things were necessary, but they were not necessary in the temple. No, not even in the outer court of the Gentiles. It is profitable that this type of trade 
was done really outside the temple for a long time. But as one commentator put it, quote, it was admitted into the temple by the chief priests for filthy lucre. For no doubt, the rents for standing there and fees for searching the beasts and certifying that they were without blemish would be considerable revenue to them. Remember the spotless in the Old Testament and, and the, uh, these priestly people would search the beasts to see if there were any blemishes on them. And they got paid for doing that. And he also said, Great corruptions in the church owe their rise to the love of money. So we see the religious leaders of Israel have profaned God's temple. They are not doing things according to his word or with the right motivation, the glory of God. And so there must be judgment. Before we see the action Jesus takes in cleansing the temple, we should remember that it is all too common in the Old Testament that prophets, priests, and kings have to rebuke those who won't do things God's way. Remember, all the way back in Leviticus, right after God established the commands for worshiping him, God had to deal with Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. It'd be good for us to take a, a quick look back there. Leviticus 10. Leviticus 10 and verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord. Profane fire before the Lord. <clears throat> Which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. And he was not allowed to have uh, mourning them publicly in respecting the Lord and his decision about this matter. <clears throat> so Moses had a zeal to do things God's way. Then we see that the priest and prophet Samuel had to deal with King Saul's profaning God's way of worship. And we can turn to 1 Samuel First Samuel and chapter 13, and I'll begin at verse 8. 
Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God when he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul thought... He could do what God had ordained Samuel to do, but he was wrong. And Samuel made sure he realized how wrong he was. So the priest prophet Samuel had a zeal to do things God's way. And as we come, of course, to King Josiah and what he did in the temple of God in Jerusalem, we can go to a second king's. And uh, chapter 22, and I'll begin at verse 8. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shagan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in your house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Achahem the son of Shaphan, Achor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. 
to do according to all that is written concerning us. And then we can jump over to um, verse 15. And we read, Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on the inhabitants all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Because... They have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. So we see King Josiah turn things around in Israel. The people had gotten into sinful, idolatrous habits and worship, and Josiah sought to bring them back to godly habits and worship and obedience. So King Josiah had a zeal to do things God's way. Now as we come back to our text In the light of this brief biblical history, we see Jesus, the prophet, priest, and king, coming to the temple of God. Here he finds the animal sellers and the money changers and the religious leaders of Israel taking part in the profaning of his temple. And what does he do? Well, we've read it already, but I think we can read... John 2, 15 through 17 there. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So Jesus actually made a whip. He made a whip and chases the animals and the sellers and the money changers out of the temple. This does not fit with many people's vision of what Jesus should be like. I remember when I was very young in the Lord, and I was witnessing to a co-worker, and um, he said, well, even Jesus, you know, he lost his temper, and he, he made a whip and whipped people. And, of course, he had no understanding of what was going on. And I have to say, I was ignorant, too. I, 
I just made you all a little more intelligent about it, and uh, and as time went on, I became uh, more intelligent, and and I pointed out to him, I'm sorry, the Bible says he didn't sin. He made that whip uh, to whip people who deserved it, and uh, so it was kind of a, I stuck up for the Lord, but I have to say, it was an ignorance sticking up because I didn't know all this that this was a, a consistent thing with God's faithful people through the centuries had to take stands and uh, God's unfaithful people had to pay the price uh, God is serious about his worship and uh, we have to take it seriously now people don't want a Jesus who is jealous and zealous to do things God's way strictly according to his word They don't want a Jesus who demands respect, holiness, and purity in the worship of God. No, they want an easygoing, anything goes, as long as you're what? Sincere. You mean well. You're sincere. And so it's okay, but it's not okay. It's not okay at all. So, we see that God's house is to be a house of prayer. That's what it's supposed to be. We pray tonight. We worship Him. And uh, there's seriousness about it. There's a respect. Praise God. Still in uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, uh, we are being still and knowing that he is God. We must pay attention and take it very seriously. I remember um, one of my children, when uh, they were younger, and I would say, you know, that uh, sometimes you know, kids make up silly secular songs. I, I would tell them, there's no making up any silly songs about the Bible or Jesus or God. Never. You don't make up silly songs. This is, it's different. You want to make up silly songs about some cartoon character or whatever, that's one thing. And, uh, but we, uh, you had to uh, start young, start him young that, you know, that uh, this is very, very serious. God takes it all very serious. So, what about today as we look around and we see the same sinful behavior in apostate churches. They have raffles for cars and various other things. They have bingo games to make money for the church. I saw a church one time that apparently sells advertising on the church fence. Kind of like what you see... Uh, at Little League games, they have all the advertisements, the local shops, and everything. There's no real prayer because there is no real knowledge of the Jesus Christ who is revealed in the Bible. And no submission to his way of doing things. Now verse 17 here we see the disciples remembering Psalm 69.9 and how indeed 
Jesus' zeal for complete submission to God's will was his all-consuming desire. It was the only perfect zeal. Perfect. Remember in Romans 10.2, Paul speaks of the zeal of the Jews, but that it was what? It was not according to true biblical knowledge. Not according to true biblical knowledge. It It had gotten so far away from true biblical knowledge that when the Messiah came, the Mashiach came, the Christos, the Christ, when he came, it was about him in the the Bible, but they didn't recognize him. And not only did they not recognize him, they insisted that Pontius Pilate crucify him. They had a zeal, but it wasn't according to true biblical knowledge. And remember also Malachi 3, and I'll read that, see that, Malachi 3, and I'll read uh, 1 through 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. An offering in righteousness. Clearly, this passage in John is a fulfillment of the one who is purifying that which has become impure. Now, as we go on, we have the Jews' response to Jesus' action and his answer. They want a sign from Jesus. Now, you know, they were not completely wrong in seeking a sign. We know from the Old Testament, God often authenticated his prophets by giving them power to perform signs and miracles. Later, Jesus himself said, if they wouldn't believe his words, they should believe him for the sake of the signs and miracles, which he did. But he also said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. By this he meant people who can't see the obvious evil that they are doing, even when it has been clearly pointed out to them, they have no right 
to seek a sign from the one who has pointed it out. They should repent and just follow what that person says. Do. They're just looking for an excuse to remain in their sins. In verse 19, Jesus answers, Then destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, they misunderstood him. They uh, thought uh, he uh, was talking about the physical temple there. And uh, they were right. It took a long time to build that. This was Herod's temple that was begun in 19 B.C. to reconcile the Jews to their Idumean king. The main structure was complete in 9 B.C., but construction actually continued until A.D. 64. Verse 20 tells us Jesus was speaking of their crucifying him and his body being raised up on the third day. In verse 22, this was not clear even to his disciples until after his resurrection. So Jesus takes the Jews to task for their profaning God's temple, and then he takes them, so amazing, he takes them to the glory of the crucifixion and the resurrection of the true temple, his body was standing right there, right before them. You're looking at this huge building and destroy this temple. He was enlightening them. He was the true temple of God. Now, it's not our purpose to pursue these glorious thoughts, but maybe another time. Rather, I want us to concentrate on verse 17, where the disciples remember what was written about the Messiah, that zeal for God's house would consume him. You know, the Bible tells us that born-again Christians have the mind of Christ. The Bible also tells us we are God's temple now. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So it's clear then that zeal for God's house should consume us as Christians. Is this true of you today, Christian? Are you casting the sin and idolatry out of the temple of your body and mind? Are you ready to deal with other members or of Christ Church, who claim to be part of Christ Church, who refuse to obey God and do things His way, have a zeal according to knowledge. Look at your life and how you live it. Would Jesus be pleased with what you've allowed into the temple? Now, we're not being hypothetical. If you really know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, He's speaking to you this night. It's time to get serious about casting out the sin and sinful habits that you've allowed into God's temple. Now, if you need help in how to cast out this and to deal with it, you're having difficulty, speak with the pastor, and he will gladly help you. 
He wants God's best for you also. Remember 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. I'm going to read these words. And after the beginning part of the message, I think it will take hold of you a little bit more. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. And walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. May it be said of every Christian here, as it was said of Jesus, zeal for God's house has consumed us. If you're an unbeliever today, God is reaching out to you through this congregation. Scripture is clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. You need to be saved. And Jesus is the only Savior that we have. He said He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him. Scripture tells us that there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Either you pay for your sins by being eternally separated from God, or you trust in the salvation He's provided through His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If God is reaching out, repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you will be saved. May God have mercy on you and give you the grace to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, how clear it is. Thank You for the faithful believers that have come before us, Lord, centuries and centuries before us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you worked in them to stand up for your truth. We thank you most of all for Jesus, that indeed zeal consumed him, even to the death of the cross. He said, Thy will be done. Be with us, Lord, that we would say that. That would be true of us. Holy Spirit, as we look at life, as things come before us, even difficult things, that we would say with Jesus, Thy will be done. And if anyone who's listening, Lord, who really doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, have mercy upon them and give them the grace. Give them the gift of faith, we pray. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you'd come soon to take us to be with you. Amen.